Good morning. <laughs> Normally we have all our kids up here, but you guys have Children's Church, and so three of mine actually ran out, and they're super, super excited. So thank you for having Children's Church. But I do have one left in the auditorium. Stand up. <laughs> This is Liam, and he just turned 12, and um, my husband, you can stand up too, I'll introduce my husband. <laughs> um, we are the Paris family, and we have been serving in the nation of Vanuatu, and Vanuatu, like we said on the video, it is an actual island country composed of 83 different islands, and God has specifically called us to Tana, which is all the way in the south, and it is actually the Bush Island. We live on the island that is completely steeped back in time. Um, there are other islands have modern anemones. You know, you can go, there's tourism, and then you come down to Tana, and you really, really, truly see what their culture used to be like because it's the way they, they still live. Um, we are so excited to be here to share some of the testimonies that God has just been God has showed up in Tana. He has us there for a reason. And my husband's going to be sharing some pretty mighty testimonies with you guys. And I have some pictures that I want to share with you. And I don't do technology, so you're going to have to really, really, really just... Do I turn it on? Push. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> my first time. <laughs> I was act I'm actually nervous because I had to do this. <laughs> Normally, someone just does it for me, so I'm blushing and everything. You must see. Ooh, pray for me. This right here, <laughs> this right here is our, our, our girls. This is our village that we live in. We live in the middle of the bush in a that true village. We have a cinder block house. God blessed us with an actual structure. Um, but this is inside our village. This is one of the mamas. My girls can make anything in Vanuatu. You give them a bush knife, you send them to the jungle, they'll come back with a root and they'll They'll shred it, and they'll bake it in the ground, and they'll serve it to you. <laughs> and um, this is also in our village. This is what a church looks like in our island. Um, this is actually a good one. It has a roof. And when we are not trekking through the jungle, spending time in, in closed custom communities, this is where you'll find us on a Sunday. This right here is a little girl. Her name is Amy, and she is very special to our family, and my husband, Sam, will be sharing a testimony. And when you hear a story of a little girl, remember her face. This right here is one of our roads. This is a good one. Um, <laughs> actually, this is rainy season, so it, it does have an extra layer to it. But um, we, we, we're, we're never disappointed by our roads. It's never boring. And this right here is a closed community. We have been working in, in at, at least five or six different communities. And this is what everyone's wearing. In fact, I am modeling a skirt from one of the closed communities that I was gifted with. And this right here is what the men wear. And I thought that I would bless you by not having my husband model that one. <laughs> This is also the same place. They're doing a custom dance. These places have been closed for hundreds of years. They have not let foreigners in to share the gospel. And through the past two years of my husband trekking and going in and just our family going in and being a family and living our lives with them, God has been doing some pretty amazing things. This right here is a community where we actually have already built a church. Um, it was previously closed, and now there is an Assemblies of God church in this village. This right here is my favorite boat in all of Vanuatu because it brings my food. <laughs> we provision on a different island, and we put it on this ferry or on an airplane, and it flies down to us, and I send my husband to go get it. <laughs> this is a church service that we had before we left. This is where we had a whole bunch of pastors from 
surrounding islands come and lay people. And we focused on the plan that God has for Tana for the next five years, and the Holy Spirit just fell. And the excitement that was in this one building that one day, we were just so excited. Because when we go back, we're building churches, we're building a Bible training center, and it's, it's awesome. This right here is a woman who is a pastor's wife. She is actually teaching me language. My husband and I are in a race. We both speak the trade language, which all of Vanuatu speaks. But on Tana, a lot of the people, it's so steeped in tradition, they don't speak the trade language. There's five distinct languages. My husband is learning one, which is the most common, which he has to drive an hour to go learn. I live in a village in homeschool, so I'm learning where we live, Lenakul, and um, she's going to help me win. So I'm going to learn it first. <laughs> this is a church nursery. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is our amazing Speed Delight truck. If we did not have this vehicle, we would not be making it into some of the places that we have been able to go. Um, it's my husband's baby. We've named it the Yeti. Uh, and <laughs> it has a tow bar. It has even bigger lifted tires. We almost went off a cliff. The tow bar saved our life. So we are very, very grateful for our Speed the Light vehicle. And right behind it is our restaurant. This is how most of our Sunday mornings look like. When we're not in our village, in our home church, we are trekking through to different communities where they do not have churches, and our kids go out and they invite kids to come play, and then my husband and I usually share a short story, um, sometimes the first gospel presentation most of these places have ever heard. And this is also another community that we've been given the opportunity to place a school, a Christian education school, into a place that does not have any churches, schools, or clinics. This is also the same community. And this, this picture is very special to me because this is our home village. This was right before we left. They all got dressed up and they asked us to take a picture because they know what we're doing, that we're going around to speak to churches that support us. And they wanted to say thank you. And they asked that I would share it every place we want so that you guys could see the people that we live with and the co-laborers we have in Tana who are trying to win their nation for Christ. And they said, thank you. Thank you for helping send us. Thank you for investing into their place that they live. And <laughs> they're praying for you. And I just want to say thank you very much for having us. And if you guys did not support us, we could not be in this place working. We're a team. And we just want to say thank you. Good morning. Morning. Hey, we got one person that's awake. That's good. That's good. These are all set up for Doug. I feel your pain. Where's Doug at? Yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah. These are all set up for people that are, you know, a little bit have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Um, God is good. I, I'm so excited that we get to do this as a family. I, I love when my wife shares and uh, she gives a a snapshot of life. One thing she didn't mention, she talked about our house. We live in the center of a village, and our house is literally 480 square feet. Uh, it's been an incredible blessing this first year because with six people in 480 square feet, there's one toilet in there. I'm just pointing that out. Uh, it, 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 it forces you outside a lot. And so we became part of the village, and village life is communal. So we lived in the village, was participated in life in the village, and uh, there was never a, uh, a private moment. <laughs> uh, in fact, our, our bedroom window 
was literally 10 steps away from the men's social fire. And in a, in a, in a place where time is very fluid uh, in, in concept, you sleep when, um, when, when, it's, when it's cooler outside. So, uh, excuse me, you sleep when it's hot and you're awake when it's cooler. So at night, there was many nights where we'd hear at the bedroom window, because it's glass louvers, so they close like this. All of a sudden, you see these lips appear, and it's about a foot away from my feet, because our bedroom is eight feet by nine feet wide. You hear, missionary, missionary, you stopped sleep. And they say, hey, missionary, are you asleep? And sometimes it was very important. Hey, you know, we've got a sick person. Can you help carry us to this dispensary to get medicine? But 90% of the time, it's, hey, missionary, can we talk about tomorrow? Hey, missionary, did you know that there's lots of mangoes on the mango tree? Hey, missionary, maybe we can go over to the other side of the island. Hey, missionary, are you, are you still sleeping? You know, just questions like that. And, and as we go back and we transition into this next term, one project that we have is the Tana Mission Center. You're going to hear about some incredible opportunities that God has opened up for us. And one of the things that God is bringing with us this next time is a team. So the Tana Mission Center will be our base of operations. We'll have housing for our family with a little bit more space. The boys will have their own bedroom and the girls will have their own bedroom. That's where uh, homeschooling will take place. Uh, we'll also have three toilets. I got to tell you, there is a thing called bush belly. Bush belly is a very explosive thing. And it's explosive both sides. I'm sorry, you know you don't share this, but you're getting the missionary today, so we're sharing a little bit extra. And when it comes into the house, it doesn't affect one person. It usually affects the entire family. And there's not a schedule. Just going to leave that there. There's not a schedule, and there was one toilet. You can talk to my wife later. If you want to be a part of helping us get this done, one toilet costs about $500. So three toilets, $1,500, you understand. If you say, hey, we want them to have six toilets, we're okay with that. We'll just line them up outside. <laughs> but uh, we're just exci we're, we're excited what's in store. And then underneath the missions, uh, Tana Mission Center, we will have guest housing for missionary associates that are coming to work with us. Also outside, we'll have a covered area we're going to use as a Bible training center. Right now, we have so many open doors for the gospel that the pastors that I have on island, we have stretched thin. Most of them are going to one place, and they're just touching it once a month, and then they have to move every week there to a different place because of all the open doors. So until we build a permanent, not Bible, it's not a Bible college, but it'll be certificate-level Bible training center until we have a permanent place for that outdoor of our house will will be that. So that is the Tana Mission Center. But our journey began in 2009. I was working for corporate America, running my own business, and God got a hold of, of me uh, one day uh, as I was leaving the house, and we made a choice together that day that we were going to surrender ourselves into ministry. And we thought at first, we, we thought at first ministry for us would be here in the United States. There's a huge need for planting churches. There's a huge need for ministry here in the States. And we're both missionary kids. She actually grew up in Guam and Tonga, and I grew up in Japan. And so we wanted to live in the States and experience, be Americans. You know, we wanted to do that thing. Uh, but as soon as we started praying, we could feel God's peace leaving, and we knew he'd called us to missions. Uh, and we actually, had, we actually had a map open. We, were, we said, God, anywhere you want us to go, we'll go. And I'd gone through a season of my life where I'd been praying and asking God to guide me and direct me, but never once had I prayed, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And that night in 2009, I prayed that prayer. And for the first time in my married life, I experienced complete peace in every area of my life. And I made a promise, and my wife and I made a commitment that we didn't want to step outside of that peace ever again. So as we started praying, we were looking at this map, and, and I said, well, you know, 
we could go to Japan. I speak Japanese. My parents are still there. There's a huge need there, but a second we prayed that way, we could feel God's peace leaving. So we looked back at the map. We said, okay, that's not right. So we looked back at the map, and we started to pray, and my eyes kept going down to this big blue spot. And I said, Lisa, I can't explain it, but I, I, think, uh, I think this is where we're supposed to be. She says, well, that's the ocean. I said, yeah, but, but uh, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with this map. And so she pulled up another map, and sure enough, there was this tiny country known as Vanuatu. And as we started looking at the names of the island, our eyes, when, they, when we read the name Tana, it's like this light bulb went off inside our heads, and it hasn't gone out since. So that was 2009. Then it began a season of preparation, because my bachelor's degree is in global business management. Had to go back to school for ministry, get licensed, ordained, go through that process. And so finally, in 2015, is when we reached Vanuatu. And we got off the plane, and they, our leadership said, hey, before you guys go down to Tana, we want you to live up north. We've got some missionaries that are living up north. We've never had a missionary live down on the, the island of Tana. So before you go, go there, let's spend some time up north, learn the language, learn the culture a little bit, and do that. And we said, okay. Uh, we got off the plane, and I remember we were looking around. We thought, wow, this place is different. Kind of felt like we went back in time a little bit. Uh, and the missionary that had been there for 14 years, we went over to his house, and he pulled me aside. And he, from the first day, began preparing me for Tana. And he said, I want you to know, he says, Tana is different. He says, it's, it's like going back in time, like stepping into a time machine. And I'd already thought that about where we were, so I was a little, little excited and intimidated at the same time. Well, about six months after being there, he came, the, the other missionary came, and he said, okay. He says, I've got an open door to go down to Tana. Why don't you and I go down there? We'll try and find a house, try and find uh, some people to connect you with, and just do this as a, a meet-and-greet type trip. I thought, okay. I was really excited for my first trip to Tana. Well, I noticed that from the time we landed in Tana, things were different. Number one, when the plane lands, they have to, they have to put on the air brakes before you get to the runway. I mean, the runway is so short. If you go too far, you're in the ocean. But if you land too quickly, you're also in the ocean. And it's right next to a cliff. And the cliff has these, these winds that come down off the cliff. So the plane is at, the runway's this way. The plane is facing this way as you're landing. And then the pilot whips it around and drops right down. And you come to a nice, exciting stop. Well, we got out of the plane. And I walked into the incredible airport terminal, which is about half the size of this sanctuary. And then you see this hole in the wall. And then your bags come flying through the hole in the wall. Uh, and that's the baggage claim. I picked up my bag. And as I turned around, this big man came walking towards me and had his hand out like this. So I shook his hand. He said, are you Missionary Sam? I said, yes, yes, I am. He said, my name is Pastor Demon. And yes, that is his name, Pastor Demon. He said, we have been praying every day since 2009 for a missionary. And immediately I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. This is exciting. He said, come on, I want you to meet some people. So he drags me outside, and we get in the back of this uh, old Toyota pickup truck, you know, the kind where the truck bed is, is, you know, looks tilted from the rest of the truck, you know. That, 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 come to find out, that was a really good truck on Tana. There wasn't, there, it was one of, I think at the time, one of 10 or 15 trucks on the entire island. But we get in the back, and, as, and I'm holding on to the roll bar, and he's standing next to me, and I can feel, you know how you can feel when someone's finger is near your face? Well, I can feel that, and I look over, and he's got his hand like this, and he's smiling. And as we're going past these villages, the kids are running out, and I can hear them saying, ah, the missionary's here, the missionary's here. So there was this sense of excitement all throughout the island, and I kept thinking, man, I wish my family was here to, to, meet, to meet these people. And uh, the next few days was a whirlwind. 
I met, I met some existing pastors. I made some new friends, found the village where we were going to live. Uh, they said, they showed us a couple places that we could live in. I chose the one that did not have the dirt floor. I chose the concrete floor. Uh, and I chose the one that they said, this is the only structure on this side of the island that didn't get pushed over in the last cyclone. So I said, yeah, let's go with that one. Uh, and that's what we chose. This place did not have a restroom, uh, did not have an indoor kitchen. So we, we cornered off one of the corners of the living room. That became the restroom. And uh, the back part of the living room uh, became the kitchen. And that's where we've been for the last two and a half years. And it's, it's been absolutely wonderful. But after that trip, it was the third day. I thought, okay, thank you, Lord. This is why you sent me here. You sent me to meet Pastor Demon. You sent me here to meet some new friends and to connect. And I was ready to go home and get my family. Well, little did I know, God had something incredible in store. I want to tell you guys something real quick. I'm pausing my story. God has an incredible plan for your life. And I want to tell you, before I surrendered to God's plan, I was still saved. I was still a Christian. I still felt like I was following God's plan. And I was excited about my life, and I felt like I was going to have a great life. And there's no doubt in my mind that financially I would have succeeded at what I was doing. But when you surrender to God's plan, it is absolutely the best plan, the most exciting, the most fulfilling plan that you can do with any aspect of your life. I promise you that. And you're going to find that when you surrender to God's plan and you step out in faith, you're going to find that he's gone before you. And he's prepared the way. He's already done work on your behalf. Our responsibility is to obey and to go. So I was, I was, the trip was finishing up. This was the third day, and I was relaxing at that little hut we were staying in, thinking, okay, we're, we're leaving tomorrow. I'm excited to show pictures to my wife and get the family ready for the move. And I heard this truck pull up, and someone jumped out and said, is the missionary there? And my friend, who's also a missionary, he says, yes, yes. He says, uh, we, we want to talk to missionary Sam. And so I came out. They said, uh, we're having a service in one hour, and we want you to preach. I thought, oh, okay, great. So I run back inside. I got my, uh, my iPad out. And iPads are a lifesaver over there because most of the time when you're preaching, when the sun goes down, there are no light, except if you want to have a flashlight strapped to your head. So my iPad was my best friend. So I start putting my sermon together as frantically as possible. And I'm still learning the language, so I'm putting, yeah, but I want it to be in all language. So I slapped a sermon together, and we jumped in the back of the truck, and 50 minutes later, I was preaching. Uh, and the, where they had me preach, it was an open field. There were mats set out. There was a few bamboo pews up front. And then the, the platform was a pile of coral. They had cut a, a, a palm tree in half and then slapped a piece of plywood on top, and that was, that was my podium. Uh, and so I preached, I went through the sermon, I was dripping in sweat, one, because I was nervous, and two, because it was really hot and humid, and I went and sat back down, and once again, I said, okay, thank you, Lord, you brought me here to stretch me a little bit on this trip, and this is good, I'm ready to go see my family. Well, as I sit down, the other missionary is, is sitting, it was Robert, right, yeah. is sitting where Robert's sitting, and I see someone come up and pat him on the shoulder and whisper something in his ear, and then all of a sudden, the color drains from his face. I think, what's going, what's going on? And then the guy walks away. Then he looks over at me and says, get over here. I said, okay. I go over. I said, what's, what's wrong, Brian? He says, well, um, we have a bit of an issue. I said, okay. Well, what's the problem? He says, well, there was a Paramount chief here tonight that heard you talk. I said, okay. And he said, a Paramount chief is a chief of chiefs. I said, okay. You know, what's the problem? And he says, well, there's a ceremony about getting ready to start. And as he says this, I hear a pig screaming, and I can see these two men, and they're carrying this pig out. Another man comes running up with this huge club, caves the head of the pig in. They put it in the middle. 
Then a bunch of people, a bunch of women from over here are carrying armfuls of yams. They pile them down. Then another group of women comes and they're piling up rolls of cloth, like uh, nice fabric. So something is, is getting ready to get started. And he says, yeah, there's, there's a ceremony that's going to start. He liked what you, you had to say. I said, Brian, I still don't see what the problem is. He says, well, he wants to give you a gift. I said, well, yeah, yeah, I can see that. We can handle this. I said, we, we can figure this out, you know, even with the plane and everything. He said, no, um, the gift is his youngest daughter. Yeah, at which point my jaw drops, and I said, I don't understand. He said, well, they're expecting you to receive his youngest daughter as one of your daughters. And when you leave on the airplane tomorrow, that she's going to come with you, that she'll be a part of your family, and that you will adopt her. Okay, at this point, I'm speechless, and I look at Brian, and I said, Brian, what do we do? And now, keep in mind, this is my, supposed to be my cultural guide, my, the cultural expert. And he looks back at me, and he says, I have no idea. <laughs> so I said, okay, Brian, we should pray. And he says, yes, we should. So we start praying, uh, and as soon as we're done praying, now, keep, I want to point this out. It's not like we have all day or even all week. It's happening now. In the corner over here, this little girl, her face is getting painted. The men that were sitting on the front row during the sermon that were dressed in shorts and T-shirts have taken that off, putting a custom wrap on. I can see this guy is getting his face painted, getting feathers in his hair. I mean, torches are being lit. It's getting real. And uh, so Brian comes back. Uh, uh, no, we pray. And then Brian says, I've got an idea. Let me call a friend. I've got a friend who's been in and out of this island for several years. Let me see if he's ever heard of this before. And so he leaves. He makes a phone call. And then he comes running back. And he says, OK, we've got three options. And he said, other than just saying no to a chief, a paramount chief, and you should understand, if you say no to a paramount chief, this is not the right place for you guys to be. It's not a safe environment after that. He says, the first option is you can accept her. In every sense of the word, you adopt her. She become part of your family. Uh, and I said, OK, that's good. I'm not opposed to adopting her, but I'm not ready to make that decision yet. My wife's not here. And he says, OK, I thought so. He says, OK, option number two is you can arrange a marriage with one of your sons. I said, OK, I'm not, I'm not ready to make that decision either. Brian, what's the third option? He says, well, my friend told me there is a third option, but there's no guarantees on this option. And that is, is that you accept her. She becomes your daughter. In fact, she would only refer to, she would refer to you as mom and dad. And her, her biological parents would be aunt and uncle. He says, so you would accept her. And if there, if there happens to be another chief here tonight, we meet with that chief and respectfully ask him if he would perform a ceremony in which you say, would you raise her on our behalf? I said, OK, let's go with option number three. That sounds great. Now, this whole time, I'm thinking, this is the first time I've been to Tana. And what am I doing? Am I, am I creating the, the, the biggest mistake ever that's going to, you know, they're going to say, well, yeah, the missionary went down there and messed everything up just in the first 24 hours. I'm trying, you know, I, I, I have no idea what's going on. And so this ceremony starts. and. Long story short, the Holy Spirit was with us that night and guided the whole process. There was another chief there. Uh, I accepted her, and I don't think I've ever been so nervous holding a two-year-old's hand. I was standing there. She's nervous, standing there looking at me. Who's this strange giant man next to me? And, uh, and then the, the, we talked to the other chief, and he was honored to do it. And as I gave her back, I realized that we had done the absolute right thing because I saw the face of the chief. His chest came out. Because what I just did is I'd honored him. Here he saw 
a family in who his, his eyes was very wealthy compared to most, most anybody on the island. And I had said, would you please raise her for us? And then, of course, her mother started crying and was extremely happy. Well, two things happened that night. Number one, our family grew by one member. Her name is Amy. She's a beautiful little girl. She's six years old today, and she's a very important part of our family. And number two, we didn't know it at the time, but God did something for us that night. He provided a covering. You see, after we left that, that night, I, I went back home. Well, I got to tell you real quick. I called, I called Lisa that evening, and she said, she said, hey, how'd it go? I said, well, it went great. She said, okay, well, tell me about it. I said, well, I saw the island, da, 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 saw these things. Some people killed a pig for us and gave us some cloth, and uh, uh, a chief gave us his youngest daughter. <laughs> On the other end of the phone, she's totally silent. And then I hear, shut up. <laughs> and then I love my wife. Because the next thing she said, she said, okay, okay, we've got space. We'll move this out. Well, I mean, she was already figuring out where she was going to fit, how it was going to work out. And then I explained what happened. But God had provided a covering for us. Because, you see, when, when we accepted Amy into our family, what I didn't realize is Pastor, uh, Chief Tom, the Paramount Chief, Chief Tom accepted us into part of his family in every sense of the word. And then we found this out. As I started trekking, I would go into these custom communities. These are communities that wear the clothing my wife had, seen, had modeled earlier and from the pictures that you saw earlier. As we went into these communities, some of these communities have this imaginary boundary. And you know it when you get there because people get tense when you're an outsider and you're not supposed to come in, you're not supposed to share the gospel, they don't want medicine, they don't want education. And one such time, I came to a village, and as I got to this, I could feel the tension and hear the voices, and there was a chief sitting over by the fire. He leaned around the group so he could see who it was, and he said, oh, no, 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 it's okay. That's Paramount Chief Tom's brother. He can come in and sit by the fire. And I was allowed to go sit next to him. The next thing he said is, you can share any talk that you want. And I was allowed to share the gospel presentation with him. You see, when God goes before you, he prepares the way. And when he calls you, you can trust him every step of the way. Amen? Amen. I've got a few more stories, and I want you to know that when I share these stories, Pastor, Pastor was so encouraging because when he called me a few weeks ago and we were talking about this and setting up time here, he says, I don't know if you've seen it yet, he said, but we've already picked you guys up in monthly support. And I know that monthly support, that's a tangible aspect, obviously, that's the financial support. And that makes a huge difference. And I want you to know that the stories that we're talking about today, you guys are partnering with us in this. So just as he was praying earlier, you might not be able to go to the ends of the world, and God may have not even called you to do that. But when you're sending someone, you're a part of that ministry. You're a part of those successes. You're a part of those, those, those uh, um, testimonies that we're sharing today. So these are not just testimonies that have happened for us. These are testimonies that have happened for us as a church together. So we appreciate and love you guys. I'm, I'm a planner. Is anybody else a planner? Okay, good. We've got a lot of planners in this church. Planning is an excellent thing. Now, I found out that planning is really good, but it cannot be your driving, controlling thing in your life. I grew up in Tokyo, Japan, where literally, if you're late, the, the train is late more than 10 seconds, they get fined. The, tra the train driver gets fined. I mean, it is a place that is scheduled to the second. Then I came back to America, and America is very scheduled and, and like that, and I was in business. And then I moved all the way around the world to this place that is that time is, hey, I'll see you next week. Okay, what day? Oh, I'll come see you Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday comes, goes, don't see him. 
A week goes by, next Tuesday comes and goes, goes by. Following week comes Tuesday, hey, missionary, how are you? I'm here just like I said I'd be on Tuesday. And, and that's, that's how time works. Well, I still hadn't got that through my head, and I had my schedule, and my wife was working on me, and the Holy Spirit was working on me to loosen me up a little bit. And we'd been down in Tana for six to seven months at this point, and one of the things we'd do is we'd get in our truck, and we'd go until the road would end, we'd jump out, and we'd just go make friends. Uh, and after one such day, we'd spend a bunch of time in the area of Middle Bush. We were headed back home. And on our way back, um, I had, I, as we got in the car, I thought, okay, we spent all morning out here. I know it's going to take us an hour and a half to get back. Okay, if I get home, I can start working on that project. I can start doing this. And I had my schedule put together, and it was, it was good to go. I was feeling like it, it could end up being a very productive day. Well, on the way back, all of a sudden, my wife, we're driving through the middle of the island. She says, hey, wait, 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 stop. They've got green onions and ginger here. We need to stop. That's hard to find. So she jumps out of the truck, and someone has set up this little, little bamboo table and is selling um, ginger and green onion and probably a few other things as well. And as I look up, as we, as we park, I, I pull out my iPad, and I'm planning. I'm getting, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is good. Time, time's moving along well. And uh, my eyes connect with the couple that my wife is talking to. And the Holy Spirit says, you're supposed to give them a ride. I quickly look back down at my iPad because I know if I give them a ride, that's going to add a lot of time to my day. And uh, my wife comes walking back to the car with her hands full, opens the door, and puts the stuff down in the car. And then she says, as she's loading up the back seat, she says, uh, I think we're supposed to give that couple a ride. I said, I know. And without waiting for me, she turned around and went over, and I'm, I'm so thankful for her. I was going to invite them for a ride. Uh, but she, she turned around and went up to them and said, hey, would you like a ride? And being one of the few trucks on the island, it is a status symbol anytime you get a ride, and we give rides anywhere we go. People, our truck's always full. But uh, they were very excited. And they came and got in the truck, and I looked at the man, and I said, where's your village? He says, well, it's in West Tana. I thought, oh, okay, great. West Tana is about three and a half hours from where we were in first and second gear with four-wheel drive fully engaged the entire time. So... After three and a half hours of driving through mud, uh, we made it to their village and dropped them off. And my attitude had gotten right after about 30 minutes into the drive. And we'd built a relationship and made friends with these people. And I dropped them off and I said, thank you, Lord. We made some good friends and I was able to serve them. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that, you know, thinking that's, that's what God had for me. And as the man got out of the car and I'm getting ready, to, getting ready to go, he says, oh, wait, wait, wait. I want you to meet my chief. I said, oh, okay, I'd, lo I'd, I'd love to meet your chief, so I'm getting ready to shut the car off. And he says, oh, no, 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 uh, please come back next Wednesday. I said, okay, okay, I'll come back next Wednesday. So we went all the way back to our house. The following Wednesday, I got up early because I wanted to get there early. I didn't know how long it would take or if his chief would be ready when we got there. And so I pulled up, and sure enough, he was waiting right where I dropped him off. And he came in to the car, and he started to get in. I said, well, I'm ready to meet your chief. He says, oh, this, this really isn't my village missionary. He says, I just built a hut here because there's the best rain on this side of the island. I said, oh, well, where is your village? He says, oh, it's, it's back in Middle Bush where you picked me up. I thought, oh, okay. So several hours later, we drove and drove, and then when the road ended, we got out and started trekking. Well, after about 45 minutes, it wasn't, it wasn't too far, uh, we arrived at one of the biggest custom communities that I'd ever seen. In the center of a custom community, they have this, this big, huge meeting area. It's bigger than this whole church. 
and it'll be just compacted dirt, and it's compacted from the custom dances, the ceremonies, and the rituals that always take place there. And there's, uh, around it, it is, it is, it's almost like, uh, it feels like you're in a covered stadium almost because there's these massive banyan trees, and there's usually four of them. And the arms will stretch, span all the way across. And when I say massive, these trees can fill a football field. We have one that is actually as, as long as a football field and wider than a football field because they send down trunks from the branches and they just keep growing. So these massive trees are around. And we walk into this, this meeting area, and I see this old man coming towards me. He's got a smile on his face, and he comes over and he grabs my hand. He says, hi, I'm the chief, and starts talking to me in language about uh, his village. And I told him, hi, my name's Sam, I'm a missionary, and that was really all that I said at that point. And I, it's important that you understand that. And he grabbed my hand, and he, in that, in that culture, if a man holds another man's hand in public and walks, that's a sign of respect, of honor. And he was holding my hand quite tightly. And we walked, and he came to the center of the meeting area, the Nakamal, and he pointed at the ground. And he says, for hundreds of years, we've worshipped our ancestors here. He says, you see that tree over there? My father's spirit lives in that one. You see that big banyan tree back there? My grandfather's lives in that one. He says, you see this one over here? He says, the evil spirits usually live in that one. And he proceeded to talk about all the trees surrounding the Nakamo. Next, he said, I want you to meet somebody. I said, okay. And so we went over to this fire. There wasn't anybody sitting there, but I realized we were going to be waiting for someone. So we went and we sat down by the fire. A few minutes later, this old man came walking with a stick, and I realized it must be a village elder. He came and he sat down across from me at the fire, and as his eyes started to focus on me, his face broke out into a big smile. He said, last night, I had a dream. In my dream, and he points behind him, he said, I saw a fountain come up in the center of our Nakamo. And from, what I haven't told you yet is from this Nakamo, there's paths leading out to five different villages, like spokes on a wheel. It is a huge community. He said, in my dream, this fountain came up in, in the middle of the Nakamo, and I saw rivers coming out of, the out of the fountain, going to each of these surrounding communities and bringing them life. He says, when I saw your face today, I knew that that life was supposed to come through something you were to bring us. Next, the chief comes over. I haven't said anything at this point. I'm just sitting here speechless. Next, without even allowing me to respond, the chief grabs my hand, and he leads me over to the edge. He says, you see that Natafoa tree there? You see that palm tree there? And he marked off four corners right next to the Nakamo. He said, I've known since the time I became chief that our, our people had to change. He says, now today I realize that change is to come through you. Well, you build us a church. And with tears in my eyes, I said, absolutely. And what you need to understand is this happened because my program got disturbed. This happened because my planning got thrown out the window and the Holy Spirit was in front of us. You see, sometimes we spend so much time in a, with our good plans and our good intentions trying to follow God that we've forgotten that our plan is in front. But God's, God's a gentleman. He's right behind us sometimes and he's just waiting for us to surrender to him. Sometimes we've got to step back, get our plans out of the way, allow him to step forward, and then we can trust him. There's a promise that, that happened that night, and it's from Isaiah 45, verse 2. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. God's incredible. When he calls you someplace, he goes before you, and he prepares the way for you. 
Over the next few months in Tana, we, we went and encouraged the existing churches there. Uh, and then my wife looked at me one day. She said, I think it's time to, to start checking out some of the outer islands around here and connecting and seeing what we can do there. Well, the first island that we went to was Anaichem. I'll never forget, my wife dropped me off at the boat, and she said, don't you need your life jacket? I said, no, I can see the island. You see it? It's right there, honey. None of the other pastors, none of the other men are going to have life jackets because I was taking a group of pastors with me. I said, none of the other guys will have it. I'll be fine. She left with the truck. I took one step on the boat and realized I could see the ocean through the boat and decided I'd go back to the house. Uh, and I didn't call my wife. I found a way back to the house. And then she hears this noise. She says, Sam? You can see me rummaging through something. What are you doing? I'm getting my life jacket. <laughs> and um, I went back down to the wharf and got on the boat. The boat left at 11 o'clock that night, and we arrived at the island that I can see in the distance at 7.30 in the morning. You see, um, when you get past the southern tip of our island, this island's out here, but it's open ocean from our island all the way down to Antarctica. So we get some pretty serious waves. It made made sailing quite uncomfortable. I was one of the few that did not throw up, but I had a headache that lasted about three days. It was very exciting. But I decided that if I didn't have to, I would never ride that boat again. But where we started on this island is we had called ahead and found out that there was a community that wanted a missionary to come. So I said, let's go to that community. That's a good place for us to go. And as we trekked in, we trekked into the center of this island. This island only has about 1,200 people on the whole island. As we trekked in, we found this community. I found a family of four brothers, and on their own, they had built a church. They said, missionary, we don't have a pastor. We don't know really a lot about the Bible, but we love God, and we want to worship him. Will you help us? So I said, this is going to be fun. We spent the first part of every day doing discipleship training, and then in the afternoon, we would go out and invite people from other villages, and in the evening, we would do uh, uh, just evening services. And we'd gone on that way for about three days. And my wife, I realized, I had not called her. She didn't know if I was alive, because uh, there's no cell phone reception where we are, and she saw me leave on this awful boat. And uh, so I thought, I need to get cell phone reception. I enjoy running, so I thought, okay, this is a good challenge. I see that mountain. Let me see if I can get high enough to get reception. Long story short, after four hours, I had no reception. I arrived back at the village that evening, covered in sweat and feeling slightly defeated. One of the guys said, missionary, him. He says, what, what's the matter? What's wrong? I said, oh, I was trying to get cell phone reception. He said, oh, I've got a guy. For $60, he'll get you cell phone reception. <laughs> I thought, okay. But, you know, I was still going to go with it. And uh, so the guy shows up the next day and leads me down to the ocean. He says, yes. He says, I will get you cell phone reception. So I jump in his boat. And we start going away from the island. I look at him. I said, we're going to get cell phone reception, right? He says, uh, he says yeah, 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 yeah. And we keep going. He was telling the truth. And I said, where is, where is the cell phone reception? He says, it's out there. Well, as the island starts to disappear behind us, I start to see this big rock. And it's about the size of the center section here. He throws his rope that is in, the, is in the boat onto the rock. And he says, when the rope goes slack, you just jump onto the rock. And so he's cruising by, and the rope goes slack. And being a man of faith, I jumped out and found out that there was a rock there because, you know, you could see this part sticking out, but the part that's the edge of it you couldn't see because the water was so rough. So I climb up on it, and he disappears. Uh, and I got my phone out, and I noticed, yes, I do have two bars. And so I called my wife. I said, honey, oh, happy birthday, because it was her birthday. I said, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm alive. And on the end of the phone, she's crying. 
And I said, I love you. I'm so sorry. I tried to get reception. I couldn't find reception on the island. She says, well, where are you? I said, well, I'm in the middle of the ocean on a rock. <laughs> she said, well, how are you going to get back? I said, well, there's a guy with a boat. Oh, he's there? Well, not right now, but he's coming back. Uh, and so about 15 minutes later, he did come back. And he picked me up, and I jumped back in. But that was an exciting trip. I left, <laughs> I left that island uh, with a passion, of course, for the people, but also I realized that they didn't have a pastor, and they needed a pastor. We've got a pastor that goes and visits about every three months now. But one of those projects that we talked about with the Tana Mission Center is the Bible Training Center, the first phase of it in raising up new pastors because we've got open doors that we don't have pastors to fill. So we're believing that a pastor will be trained that will be able to go in and work on that island. I've got one more story that I'm going to close with. Um, I spent a lot of time, as my wife mentioned, trekking. And on some of these treks, I wore a GoPro camera. We've got a video I'm going to show you in just a few minutes here that shows footage from, that, from one of my treks. But I want to tell you the story of the White Sands trek. I left, um, I think it was a Monday that I left the house, and I picked up a pastor by the name of Pastor David Yo. I always try and take a pastor with me who's from that area or who knows the area that I'm going to be trekking so that if we do get an open door, he can, he can make it uh, time to come back because uh, as a missionary, we get back to as many places as we can, but we can't be everywhere at once. Uh, and so, and he's, and he, the pastors are great, and they get excited whenever they get an open door. So Pastor David Yo and I set out on this trek, and we had an incredible time. Uh, we'd gone through the, it was the third, the second day, we came to this, this village that was completely empty. As we're going through the village, there's usually somebody, or usually a mama sitting outside weaving something, or somebody coming back from the garden, but there was nobody. And then as we passed through the village, we came to another one, same thing. And then we came to a meeting place, the Nakamal, and we saw that everyone was in this Nakamal. We realized something had happened. Well, they were all there for a funeral. The night before, a young boy had died from a fever. Uh, and so they, uh, in, the, in the Nivon way, which they were very gracious people, they invited us to come eat with them. And so we ate, and I explained that I was a missionary. Then I was introduced to the chief. Then I was introduced to their shaman, and he explained that he had the ability to take these special stones and if he burned a leaf the right way, that he could change the weather. He has magic powers, he was explaining. And as we were talking, I, I noticed that they, they were really controlling the conversation and understanding the way that culture works. I knew that they were saying, it's okay that you say who you are, but we don't want you to share anything. And so towards the end of the meal, we were getting ready to go. And as I put my backpack on, the shaman says, will you pray for us? the shaman, the magic man. I said, yes, yes, yeah, I will. And I prayed, and I felt the atmosphere change. Next thing I knew, the chief was standing next to me, and he says, you're in my pocket now. And that's a, that's a, a phrase that means we're friends now. He says, you can come here anytime and share any talk that you want. And that was a trek that we did towards the end of last year. And before we left, we were able to plant the first church in this community that they've ever had. This is, a church, this is a community that does not have access to any type of other church or, any, or has never had the gospel presentation. The pastor that's with me, Pastor David Yo, is now pastoring that church as well as two others. Well, that was the first two and a half, three days, and I thought, okay, God, this has been great. We were able to meet lots of people on the trails. You'll see in the video. It, it was a great time, and I thought, it's time to go home. And it's hot season. My wife doesn't like it when I explain this part, but you need to understand how I felt. It's hot season. I'm covered head to toe in sweat. 
So much so that if you reach around and grab the back of my backpack, you can wring it out from the back of my backpack because I've sweated through the contents of my backpack. So I'm, uh, I'm done. I'm ready to go home, take a shower, have a great meal, and we've spent the whole morning coming down the side of this mountain. As we get to the bottom, I can see the path that leads towards the center, and I know if we take that path, we'll, we'll get back to the center of the island, we can get in the truck, and by evening I can be home with my family having a great meal. Well, um, as we're trekking down, I see this small trail that goes, our trail comes like this, and it goes off back up onto the mountain. And I just noticed it. It was a small path, but I didn't think anything of it. But right when we got to the intersection, I felt the Holy Spirit say, one more hill. And I turned and I looked at the pastor next to me, and I said, uh, do you know where this trail goes? He said, no, missionary, I, I don't know. I've, I've never been up that trail. I said, okay. I think God wants us to go up that hill. He said, yeah, I think so too. So instead of going towards the main trail, we turned and headed back up the mountain. One more hill turned into an afternoon of climbing. At some points, it was so steep, we were bent over using our hands to pull ourselves up. Well, after several hours, we came out of the jungle and came into this small community that had four or five huts in the whole community. As we came in, I could hear people saying, they're here, they're here. I looked over at Pastor, Pastor Yo for explanation. He said, I have, I have no idea, missionary. He says, I didn't even know this community was here. We go in and we found a family sitting uh, just at a half-made house, and we start shaking hands with them. Next thing I know, the young man that's in front of me, he stands up and he says, ah, he's, he's been waiting for you. Without any explanation, he turns around, and I can tell he's expecting us to follow him. So we follow him, and he goes inside this hut in the corner of the village. I follow him in, and as my eyes adjust to the darkness, I can see this old man sitting in front of us. His beard is white, his hair is white, and his eyes are white. And I realize he's been blind for some time. On one of his legs, I can see his shin bone sticking to the skin. And I realize as I look at it, it's an injury that he's had from, for a long time. The skin's already healed around the base of it, and you can see where they filed the bone down. And we sit down, and we quietly wait for this man to talk. He looks in the direction of where he heard us sit down, and then tears start falling down his face. He says, last night, I had a dream. In my dream, I heard a voice that said, the two men that belong to God are going to come to your hut today. He said, when you guys came in, I knew you were those men. And then he proceeded to explain several years ago when he was a young man, and by several years, he said many years ago when he was a young man, him and his, his brother were on the edge of a cliff. He didn't explain why they had to jump, but for some reason, they both had to jump off the cliff. And he said he cried out to God, and his brother cried out to the ancestors, and his brother died. He says, since that time, he made a promise that if he ever met a man that belonged to God, that he would ask him to come take a piece of their land and ask him to build a house to the God above. He says, I want my village to know. He says, I don't know how to tell them, but I want them to know. Will you come do that? Once again, I was speechless. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> I'd be honored to do that. And I found that God had gone before us. And I realized how long this man had been waiting. Please watch this short video. Hey Amen. God is doing an incredible work in Tana, and we're just excited. We know this is just the beginning. We want to thank you guys for sending us. We need your support. We need your prayers. 
but I just want to encourage you guys. The same God that's moving over there is moving here today. And I, I, can, I, can, I can feel his presence right now. I want to encourage you that God has an incredible plan for your lives. You can trust him with your dreams. You can trust him with your hopes. You can trust him with your family. He will never let you down. And God's peace will be with you as you step forward. And you're going to find out that God has already gone before you and he's prepared the way. Thank you so much for having us here today. Pastor.